Hey everyone, before we get started, I wanted to highlight a podcast I think you should all check out. It's called A Better Life and it's a new podcast that is produced by Feet in Two Worlds, an organization that brings the work of immigrant journalists and journalists of color to public radio. The host, Zahir Jan Muhammad, is a child of Indian immigrants from Tanzania and a writer based in Portland, Maine. He's the co-creator of The Racist Sandwich, a show about food and race. On the first season of A Better Life, you'll hear stories of immigrants grappling with the meaning of America during the COVID pandemic, from undocumented hotel housekeepers in Phoenix, whose immigration status makes them particularly vulnerable to deportation during a pandemic, to a first-generation Korean immigrant who is facing the difficult decision of whether to move back to the country she left more than 40 years ago. Can you imagine that? You'll also hear from immigrant elders offering humor and advice for the rest of us trying to make it through these difficult times. Much like us, their team is made up of POCs from immigrant backgrounds. Their direct ties to the people featured in this series strengthens the caliber of the stories providing nuance and depth. Sounds interesting, right? I can't wait to listen. Subscribe to A Better Life wherever you get your podcasts. And now to our today's episode. has been no doubt a year of unrest and change and I'm sure nobody can contest that. As we work towards a future that is more fair and inclusive, we should acknowledge not only historical injustices but also patterns that are more recent. Generally speaking, to progress, conflict naturally follows. The science of entropy even alludes to this. I know, I know, I'm using some interesting fancy terms, but I recently learned about these terms, so I said why not, right? And I know I am personifying here, but things have a way of preferring disorder, or at the very least, gravitating towards it. Now consider this. We could even say the science of disorder is also applicable to the very social justice movements knocking at our doors to challenge our racist, sexist, classist, ableist, you name it, establishments, is to disassemble and then repurpose the pieces. Time has illustrated that in this hodgepodge of reform and resistance, certain communities find their voices heard louder than others, despite all sharing the same goal of equity. It is a paradox that I'm sure we all have considered or seen play out before. It is like two singers standing equidistantly, far from the mic, but the sound guy somehow has power to magnify the wavelengths picked up from one side of the mic and minimize the magnitude of the other. I know I'm being too dramatic right now, but just bear with me. 
too often stories important stories are shafted because there isn't enough room and who the hell decides which stories or what narratives should be prioritized we should ask ourselves why why particular minority voices are received more loudly than others and how how is this dynamic a product of larger more systemic forces you know the ones that hide behind privileges divert the attention by pitting one oppressed group against another and in things like anti-blackness is not just a white problem one can be gay but also transphobic intersectionality makes it so you can be discriminated against and discriminatory at once and we've seen that play out in american society but this should go without saying solutions that divide are simply not solutions so today in a special episode on immigrantly we are going to present solutions that unite us and for that instead of a single guest we are turning the spotlight on a current event and on undocumented asian american and pacific islanders within the context of that event initially we were curious to learn about how this group AAPI for short had been impacted by covid and by the uncertainty surrounding daca unfortunately there is very limited research and only a handful of publishers and organizations that caught our attention as we were prepping for this episode but do look for these organizations in our credits whether it is in policy research or community outreach the work done by these entities is crucial it is their pages and stories and members that bravely inform the content of this particular episode hi My name is Audrey and I am a community organizer at Raise which stands for Revolutionizing Asian American Immigrant Stories on the East Coast. A little bit about who we are. Raise was founded in 2012 after the Obama administration announced Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, aka DACA, an executive order that grants eligible undocumented immigrants temporary protection from deportation and employment authorization. It was through the Asian American Legal Defense and Education Fund, ALDA for short, through their free DACA clinics, members of the undocumented Asian community were able to come together and form what was to be the first pan-Asian undocumented youth-led group on the East Coast. Our members, all ethnically Asian and undocumented, come from a range of countries and also hold a number of different identities, demonstrating the complexity of issues experienced by a diverse group of APIs. Since then, Raise has been active in advocating for humane immigration policies, educating community members through immigration workshops, and amplifying the narratives of undocumented Asians. Now, we have already established that little visibility is afforded to undocumented Asian Americans. Why do you think? probably because neither policy makers nor reporters consider them as the main subjects of the immigration issue whenever border security is brought up people understandably think first of physical borders hence much of our immigration talk research and scrutiny falls on immigrants from neighboring countries like mexico there is hardly any attention paid to undocumented aapi 
Now you must be thinking, well, isn't that a blessing in disguise? First, they aren't on Trump's radar. When Mexico sends its people. Second, they aren't negatively portrayed by the media or stereotyped as thieves or criminals or even terrorists. They're not sending their best. They're not sending you. They're not sending you. They're sending people that have lots of problems and they're bringing those problems with us. They're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they're rapists. Third, they aren't being deported and violently separated. One consequence of beefing up security at the Mexico border has been the splitting up of families. But for his part, the president is trying to put the blame on Democrats. I say it's very strongly the Democrats' fault. They're obstruction. They're really obstructionist. The president tweeting, change the laws. But there is no law requiring families to be separated. Only the zero tolerance policy that's prompting it. Well, yes and no. On the one hand, I don't wish any of these realities just mentioned on anyone much less on a group of individuals who share a nationality and culture. But by neglecting to acknowledge that undocumented Asian Americans are part of this larger immigration narrative is to erase the history and people that make up this group. Hello, my name is Mas Nemani and I graduated Rutgers University Newark with a BA in journalism and legal studies minor. Since the COVID-19 outbreak, my life hasn't really been the same. It really put in perspective the disprivileges or the lack of privileges I have to live with every day as an undocumented immigrant. To me, being an undocumented graduating student was hard enough. I always felt a sense of fear and anxiety for my future because of my immigration status. And the crisis was here. It didn't just hit me, it was a collision. Like, bang. Journalism is already a competitive field and I felt I was handicapped in succeeding. I want to advocate, I want to change the media for the better, and I want to be a photojournalist. A lot of my work actually surrounds advocacy I went to a lot of protests and I went to the DACA protests in DC at the Supreme Court. My support system was always my school organization and my space and my friends. The stay at home quarantine kind of separated me from my support system but kept my full time student status. And as pandemic continued, I needed that support more than ever. I work at my family's Thai restaurant, so pandemic instilled a sense of anxiety for my family and I in the beginning, and especially because our restaurant is located in a pretty conservative area. Before I was even called a citizen or called a legal resident, I was called an essential worker. The intersectionality between being an undocumented immigrant, Asian, and an essential worker meant a lot. It meant while I'm misunderstood, they still needed me. Irony was kind of a weird word to describe my situation. And but continuing, the less time I spent at university and the more time I spent at work, it really made me feel trapped. I had to really acknowledge my immigration status more than ever. I was constantly reminded at work that 
this is possibly the best I could achieve in this country with my immigration status, that my parents' sacrifices were made for me to settle. Sometimes I would have to even share my schoolwork with my work work. And so I was kind of just stuck in this limbo of managing all my responsibilities at once while questioning whether my education is even gonna be worth it in the end. So in the beginning of the lockdown, we didn't get a lot of customers, but we were trying to cut our losses as much as possible. The escalating racism and hate crimes that's targeted towards the Asian community puts me on edge. I worry about my parents a lot, especially as you know they're older. I keep reading these next shark articles about Asian-owned businesses being vandalized and Asians being harassed and just you know assaulted in public on the streets just out of ignorance as someone who you know works in an asian-owned business our safety and finances were on the line every single day but as time continued and time went on things kind of picked up business-wise and people needed us some of the customers were other essential workers who couldn't get supplies or food to their families because they weren't able to go to Costco or Target or Walmart. And it just felt weird, you know? It's not bad all the time though. We have loyal customers who support us as much as they can, both financially and emotionally. And sometimes I would have customers thank me with so much sincerity, it makes me forget I'm just serving Thai food. But in the back of my mind, I wondered if they would keep the same sincerity and energy if they knew my immigration status. Some of them are really MAGA. I guess what I could say is that before this crisis, I was less worried about my future. While other kids were bummed out, they were missing out on frat parties. I had to worry whether I was safe from the virus, uninsured, whether my family would be okay losing business or whether we would be attacked or harassed in public because of the way we look. Before this and before speaking with AAPI groups like Rays, I knew little about their makeup, their social and economic outcomes, their hidden in plain sight existences. And I realized that I was probably not the only one if we don't take the time to acknowledge that such narratives exist, we are then complicit in their silencing. There is a lot of talk about doing the work and at Immigranty we agree it is important, but also not an easy feat. Believe me, it is mentally and physically draining, to say the least. And this episode is our way of making space. So listeners, let's get into it. Let's get into the weeds. Hold the facts, the numbers, the brave individuals who will share their stories with grace and humility. And I am in awe of their walk. My hope is that such intention to learn and unlearn will register with some of you, hopefully. Spark not only positive attention, but next steps and action. But before I get ahead of myself, which I do a lot, consider these findings. 
there are roughly 10.5 million undocumented immigrants in this country and 1.7 million of them are AAPI. To put those numbers into perspective, that is nearly 16% or one in every six. A ratio which on its own doesn't sound crazy, but when put into greater context points to concerning trends. Undocumented Asian immigrants are spread throughout all states, but the largest shares are in Georgia, Colorado, New Jersey, and Hawaii. According to Department of Homeland Security, Asians are the fastest growing undocumented racial group in the United States, compared to a 21% increase in the Mexican undocumented population. The undocumented AAPI population tripled from 500,000 in 2000 to 1.7 million in 2015. That is a 150% increase. 150%. Were you aware of this? Or was it just I? Before I go any further, it should go without saying that a multitude of reasons exist for someone to move from their country of origin, of family, memories and belonging to another where they become outsiders, foreigners without documentation. You have religious persecution, domestic violence, political unrest, those in search of opportunity for education, and the list goes on. How can all these people remain so invisible? It is a double-edged sword, right? In some ways, that has to do with the politics and social practice around immigration. If we look at where discourse happens, whether it be in court or a news article, it is not on the AAPI population so much as it is on the Latino population. If we did a keyword search of the word undocumented or illegal, which let it be known that no human should ever be considered illegal, This is such a wrong and dehumanizing term that we see politicians and media use time and again. But going back to the point that I was trying to make, the articles and images conjured are evidently biased towards immigrants from Mexico. I dare you to do search right now. Take out your phones. If you are near a laptop, Do it on your laptop. And by the way, Latinx and Mexican are not interchangeable, as sometimes the media and our president would have you believe. And we've seen this time and again. These terms are often conflated, which again siphons minority groups and silences their plurality. So while the number of undocumented immigrants fleeing Central American countries like El Salvador, Guatemala and Honduras has steadily increased over the past decade, the number of undocumented Mexicans has decreased. These misconceptions about where undocumented immigrants are coming from is a telltale of product of racism and xenophobia, directed animosity that other ethnic and cultural groups including Asian-American counterparts, are not excluded from. Take a listen to Audrey again from Race, where she explains the impact COVID has had on the undocumented AAPI 
as well as the uncertainty that surrounded Dhaka before the ruling and the uncertainty that persists. Since the start of COVID-19, we've had members reach out to us about how they were struggling to finish classes because they were new to studying from home. We've had members talk to us about the difficulties of working from home, especially since many of our members either live with roommates or with family. We've had members talk to us about the financial hardships some of them and their families are facing as a result of the massive layoffs from COVID-19. And we've also had members reach out to us about the stress about the uncertainty of DACA, a decision that's now before the Supreme Court that could come anytime now from now until the end of June. It's a decision that is going to involve the futures of 700,000 people and their families, including many members of RAISE, whether they'll be able to continue to keep their protections from deportation, support themselves and their families, pursue their education, access health care, etc. It's been some time now since the last recording and... As we all know by now, on June 18th, 2020, the U.S. Supreme Court sided with DACA recipients, ruling that the way in which the Trump administration rescinded the DACA program in 2017 was indeed unlawful. And it was a really great day for for Ray's and our members. I remember waking up to just like a flood of happy texts from our members. Um, and it was so great to be able to respond back saying that, we have this victory. And this was a really important victory for undocumented youth who fought tirelessly for the protections that DACA brought. And so we at RAYS are very relieved that the Supreme Court decided to uphold the DACA decision for now. I think, however, that while this decision provides temporary relief for DACA recipients and their families, We at RAISE are also fully aware that the Trump administration can try to end the program again at any moment. In fact, after the decision came out, he tweeted that there needed to be more conservative justices, and he also was calling for support for his re-election. So as we celebrate this win, we acknowledge how critical it is to also continue fighting the Trump administration and his racist and xenophobic policies and ideology. And I think it's an issue that millions of Americans have finally woken up to due to the amazing and tremendous efforts from the Black Lives Matter movement. At RAISE, we are really focusing right now on organizing and building because we know that we can't stop until we achieve equity and dignity for everyone, for all 11 million undocumented immigrants, including dreamers and also non-dreamers. And we're going to continue fighting until there is a permanent solution and a clear pathway for citizenship for all. And since 2012, we've been active in advocating for humane immigration policies and also for reclaiming the dignity of the pan-Asian undocumented population. And we're going to continue to fight and win policies that truly protect our communities. Sure, the June Supreme Court decision to uphold DACA provided some reprieve, but it doesn't mean there won't be more challenges in the future from conservative lawmakers. The struggle for immigration justice is an ongoing one, and we all know that. 
until there is a permanent solution which no government so far is brave enough to provide as you heard from audrey just because dhaka was upheld true justice and opportunity for citizenship isn't prejudice towards undocumented asian americans in particular has taken a troubling hike in the past few months because of the pandemic and the trump administration's cowardly misguided and hateful use of anti-asian rhetoric on the other hand asian americans have long been associated with modesty misconceptions such as the model minority myth a stereotype that renders asian americans as the racial bourgeois convince the public that they've made it and that is exactly why i was so surprised by 150% because somewhere and somehow i had internalized this image surely it is the design of white supremacy we all know that the model minority myth deems asians as the ones who succeeded in the american dream the bootstrap and picket fences by the way i don't like picket fences never did and i don't think i'll ever like picket fences but coming back to the point i was trying to make basically if they can do it and by they i mean asian americans then america must be post race right no not really and we all know that the myth not only protects this dangerous racial hierarchy but it masks the hardships and institutional barriers experienced by certain aapi groups for instance while asians as a whole were less likely to live in poverty than the rest of the us population Hmongs and Burmese had poverty rates of 28% and 35% when the general poverty rate in 2015 was 15.1%. The realities and inequalities experienced by individuals of the AAPI community ranges because there are so many cultures and identities represented. It is a great hint and the cost is unimaginable if you are on one end of that scale. think about it there is not only possibility of deportation but other fears like finding a job maintaining a job finding a community that understands you keeping up your physical health now with covid these strains are felt even more acutely because a lot of the aid that is out there provided by the state and federal governments do not cover the 11 million undocumented immigrants in the us this leaves people having to choose between their lives and livelihoods a burden that no human should bear because of something as flimsy as a passport definitely not at the expense of somebody's life hi everyone i am an undocumented student here in new york city um i feel many different things first of all i am lucky that i have not been a victim of anything this pandemic has caused for example i still have my job which is remote um but i know this is not the case for the majority of the undocumented community i am very worried about what could happen to us as we cannot receive any type of government aid what happens if we get infected what happens if we get sick what happens if the hospitals are full Are we going to be the first ones to get kicked out? The only way many of us can survive is by continuing to work, 
but that means we're putting our health at risk all the time. We do not have any type of government insurance to protect us, so it feels like we're meant to be victims regardless of what we do. This of course is something very general, but very true to many individuals. But I also want to share something very personal, something that might not apply to everyone in the undocumented community. I have always been impressed at what everyone has done. I find that very beautiful, very inspiring that there are people out there caring and thinking about us. People have raised money to help undocumented people specifically. Another point I would like to share is that as a college STEM student, I've always struggled to find internships. A lot of them are paid, so they require paperwork. But because of this pandemic, many of them became remote and unpaid. This is actually something good for me since I normally cannot participate in paid internships because of the required paperwork. I was able to get two remote internships. If it wasn't for this pandemic, I definitely wouldn't have been able to do so. The fact that the companies made this move just because of the pandemic is kind of sad. These opportunities will have opened up doors to many undocumented students and more companies should have this unpaid option in order to open up these opportunities. I am also thankful of how thoughtful some people have been. My friend shared this post on social media on how people are living with fear right now how people cannot travel, how government aid has not been helpful, how there aren't many job opportunities. The post ended with something among the lines, yes, this is definitely not right, but undocumented people have been living this way all the time. And people are finally starting to understand and realize how undocumented communities feel. But it had to take a global pandemic for them to understand that. Lastly, I am definitely glad to have Race, who doesn't just have resources and advice to help you, but it is also community itself. A lot of problems sometimes are just not under our control. Sometimes there's no solution to these problems, and the best way might be to just learn how to accept them. So this community makes you feel strong and remind you that you're not alone. And this is why race has been important to me. So here is something else I learned. You can grow up documented, but then become undocumented. Many AAPIs who come into this country under visa authorization, such as F1 for education or H1B for skilled work, have kids. These kids grow up documented since they are granted F2 visas or H4 visas through their dependent status. But when they reach adulthood and can no longer be claimed dependent, their visa status expires along with their documented status. And get this, because they were documented at one point, they do not even qualify for DACA if their status changes. While some can apply for permanent residence through sponsorships or enroll as international students, the means to sting are expensive, confusing and uncertain at 
best. Now imagine growing up in this country. Code switching like it was second nature. Reciting the Pledge of Allegiance. Celebrating two New Years. Yes, two. One on January 1st and one on the first lunar calendar day. All to find out one side of your existence doesn't really matter. Not to the government and not to communities you see as your own. I can't know what this feels like because I did not experience it. But I can learn to understand and to empathize and so should each and every one of us. What next? How do we actively engage in this movement to be allies and help increase visibility and support for undocumented AAPI? Just as we must bear witness to the individual stories and the complex realities of the communities they make up, we must leverage that understanding and ourselves to demand for changes in legislation, in leadership and beyond. There is power in numbers, right? So imagine what 1.7 million undocumented Asian Americans and their allies like you and I can do as a force that moves together. Think about it. RAISE works closely with the Asian American Legal Defense and Education Fund, ALDEF, which provides free legal services and is putting their energy towards renewing DACA applications, consulting with those interested in applying for DACA for the first time, and also helping people explore the immigration options. So for anyone out there listening and who's interested in either renewing their DACA or to see if they're qualified for applying for DACA for the first time, please reach out to raise at alldef.org and I'd be happy to connect you to the right person at Alldef. And for RAISE, we are meeting bi-weekly. We're discussing the future and ways that we are going to keep advocating for policies that benefit our communities. And right now we are in a phase of building our organization and really working to recruit members of the undocumented Asian community to let them know that the space is here for them and to let them know that they have people on their side who are working to uplift them, to provide them the resources they need, and to also give them the tools so that they can join us in organizing. And I think that RAISE is going to continue to grow and I'm really excited about where the future will be for for RAISE as we continue to develop and grow our membership. I think nonetheless, RAISE is always going to continue to be a safe space and an organizing space for our undocumented Asian youth.